face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek. Currently, Star Trek The Next Generation, and I'm so, so happy to have a very special guest on our episode today, my friend Ramon. Moni, uh, say hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. And today actually happens to be your birthday, so happy birthday, and, this, and I formally declare that this is the Starfleet Boys official Moni's birthday episode. <laughs> <laughs> so cheers to you and happy birthday. Cheers. Now, a lot of people um, will probably want to understand the context of our friendship. Uh, so I will just explain that Moni is the Mycroft to my Sherlock. <laughs> or the... Uh, Admiral to my captain <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> you do you do have the rank of admiral, I believe. <laughs> it's very boring doing administrative work in an office. <laughs> but you did have uh, once have the command of a starship, so uh, you know what it's like to, to pilot a starship. <laughs> um, we give all of our guests the opportunity to have a handle on the show. So, for example... Uh, Humbert, who you know, is the doctor. Um, Scott Levy is, uh, I don't know why I had to say his full name, but Scott is uh, Galdu Scott. And uh, <laughs> of course, I'm Starfleet Boy. So uh, otherwise, we'll just call you Moni, which w- would you prefer? Um, oh, wow. I I wish I had more warning about that. Uh, <laughs> well, you can take your time and come yeah, up for, with it. I guess yeah. for present purposes, we'll do Moni, but I can think of one in the meantime. I thought you would want to go with something Romulan, like, you know, Praetor or... Uh... Oh. <laughs> well, I, we can go... Not We can go either in a Vulcan or a Romulan direction. That depends on how uh, <laughs> devious I'm feeling, I guess. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So uh, I'll jump right into uh, the episode summary. Uh, While the Enterprise is uh, docked at McKinley Station, uh, the crew um, are taking the time to repair the ship from the battle that we just had with the Borg. Pretty awesome episode. Sorry you missed that discussion, but it's, you know, what you could, it was what you could expect, the best of both worlds part two. But here in the aftermath, the Enterprise is getting repaired, and then uh, meanwhile, uh, Commander Riker is uh, supervising uh, and seeing to everyone getting a little R&R. 
And so we find out that Captain Picard is taking this opportunity to go down to his uh, home village, uh, Avon, France, in, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and stay at his family's uh, vineyard. And so uh, uh, that's happening while Worf is uh, having to deal with a visit from his uh, parents, uh, um, Sergey and, and Elena. Helena. Helena. It's Elena. Yeah. Elena. Oh, I thought there was an H in it. I, I couldn't yeah. tell. I, I think it's Elena, but I'll have to look it up now because <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the Rojankos are coming to visit. And then Wesley is, um, comes face to face with a, a holographic recording of his father that, that his father made for him uh, when he was just a few few weeks after he was born. So pretty emotional stuff going on. Uh, Captain Picard has to deal with whether or not he wants to... Uh, continue with Starfleet or pursue a career in, um, uh, you know, civilian projects that are going to, you know, greatly benefit uh, humans and earthlings, rather, I should say. Um, Worf has to uh, kind of balance his uh, <laughs> his Klingon side versus his very, we find his very tender human side uh, that his parents... Uh, uh, for, the, for the record, it's Helena, by the way. I just looked it up. It is Helena. Okay. Yeah. I stand corrected. Thank you. Um, and then uh, Wesley comes face-to-face with his father, who he's been idolizing all this time but has never really uh, had an interaction with. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much the gist of the setup of the episode. We finally get this uh, awesome uh, reveal of who Picard is and his family, and um, and and especially through his brother, we learn about him as he was when he, as he was growing up, and um, learn some things about uh, his you know relationship with Robert, like how they were always rivals, basically. But you know, of course, they loved each other, uh, and we get this awesome fight in between the two brothers in the as, as Vikram said the vineyard tumble the vineyard tumble yes, that's what we'll definitely <laughs> our friend Vikram who does have a nickname the dark lord uh, uh, we'll, we'll refer to it as the vineyard tumble that's awesome in fact whenever we go to vineyards to have drinks we should call it the vineyard tumble it should should be like a tradition <laughs> uh, cheers to that I actually happen to have a little sake here that I was saving for oh. a toast to your birthday. It's not a little, actually. It's a lot. <laughs> One thing that would complete this is the illegal Romulan ale. Yes, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's uh, jump right into it. Uh, what are you... What did? Well, I guess actually let's not jump right into it. Before we jump right into it, um, since you're a new guest on Starfleet Boy, we'd like to uh, find out what our guests' uh, Star Trek stories are. So would you mind taking a few minutes to tell us how you came to Star Trek and uh, how it's kind of impacted your life? Um, Yeah. Well, I think as you observed when we were talking on the phone, like, about a week ago, the next generation is literally as old as me. (laughs) 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 Actually, I might be one year older than the next generation. um, Well, today. (laughs) I've been in the background for uh, my entire life, and it sort of permeated my upbringing. But I guess there are two competing uh, origin stories, uh, (laughs) which, depending on uh, which, uh, which universe you're in, one might be primary or secondary. But 
there, let's start the primary version, which my family would probably adopt is my mom was a Trekkie and used to watch the next generation reruns. And I think when I really, really got sucked into it was when it started airing on sci-fi with the commentary by first by William Shatner and then the second running with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, that's really neat. In like 1998 uh, or yeah, seven. I think so. 1998, I think. I think. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember how like cheesy William Shatner's was. Then Leonard Nimoy was like very insightful. I guess that was a formative experience but uh, I think even before that you introduced me and Uvus to the uh, movies so I I'd, seen, so. I'd seen uh, Generations and uh, First Contact and then I watched all of the uh, original Star Trek movies on VHS Right, and then we even, and then we, of course, you became, it, you and Star Trek were uh, like a match made in heaven. So, yeah, of, you know, of course, you became an Uber fan right away. And then um, I remember we saw Insurrection in the theater together. Maybe, yeah, I became like, super obsessed with it. That, <laughs> that's 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 the year my obsession sort of bloomed. Like when I guess I was in seventh grade. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and obviously, like the opti- optimistic outlook on the future, uh, it, the uh, sort of Elysian uh, structure of the Federation, and and uh, and just like the thrill of space travel is super super <laughs> appealing. Um, and How so, could you say no? In any in any dark period in my life, to the extent there are dark periods, you can always retreat to Star Trek and rediscover yourself and who you are, like the core. It's in, it's in, it's in the core of my DNA. Well said, well said, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. That's a that's a, I I knew of course your story because uh, we're best friends, but uh, I it's nice to actually hear it because it, you know, one 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 needs to be reminded. But I do recall that your mom. Uh, uh, was such a riot to watch uh, Star, Star Trek with, <laughs> and uh, I look forward to watching it with her again because uh, her uh, she always sees something interesting that yeah. you, may, you may not always see. Um, yes, uh, yeah, I, I watched all of the reruns of the original series with her first, and then I never really got to see the Next Generation because it was never consistently aired on TV until Spike picked it up. Yeah. But then yeah. you and I did our mega marathon. Then we got the DVDs yep. when they came out. Um, yep. <laughs> and we did our mega marathons, and my mom also watched them with me. Yeah, <laughs> those were those were really fun. I would even remember uh, that because I think we started doing those like once a week or whatever. But you were like. I need to. I just left I the made, box sets at your house, and then you just started watching. Them. And, and I, then made I, you, I made you set through the theme, the theme song every time. Yeah, that's right. You're <laughs> you're uh, you're very hardcore and much more a purist in many ways than I am because you wouldn't even tolerate skipping the opening opening credit. <laughs> I always admired. I was like, hmm, yeah, <laughs> very very cool. Well, thank you for sharing your Star Trek story. I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, honored to be a part of it um uh and uh so yeah let's jump right into the episode what did you think of it well this is one of my favorite episodes right um for multiple reasons actually like i always have selective amnesia because I, I think of it as the episode where picard goes back to france but obviously there's so much more going on 
<laughs> uh, that's Helena that's and Sergei Roshenko, I think, which is this is their first appearance, right? That's right. And that's actually a really big deal. And like, of course, I get misty eyed, you know, in the fi- in the climactic sequence with Robert and uh, Picard uh, or, or Jean Luc because they're both Picards. Um, but yeah, the the interaction between Worf and his parents and how conflicted he feels is so deeply touching at the end. It's also a huge component of the episode. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, just that I think that to to talk about Worf, we'll, I guess we'll save Picard details of the episode uh, for the end. But let's I guess let's start with Worf. Like I just thought like the the whole relationship, the three the kind of three vignettes that were given um are interesting because i think within all three of those there's like such a uh, a very true experience that all humans kind of go through there comes a point in our lives as we're growing up where i you know our parents maybe are are their quirks and things like that are so apparent to us and we become very conscious of them and and so you know you can see this reflected in uh, michael dorn's performance as Worf, where he's just like he's not admitting to it but he's a little embarrassed <laughs> about the way his parents are and you know of course they're delightful everyone else finds them completely delightful they're just like so charmed and surprised <laughs> To, to see that, that this is this is what created Worf. <laughs> and even like some of the stories, like Worf, uh, you know, getting into that fight in, in school, oh, yeah. and like, uh, you know, like the principal saying, "Is there another?" I hope I hope he's an only child, and um, <laughs> you know, sitting sitting across from four boys with the bloody nose. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Um, I love the actors that they selected for them. They just like totally, you know, are like these wonderful uh, kind of. Uh, I guess what I, would they be like Eastern European or Russian? Rojenko is that like a Russian kind of Sergey Rojenko? I guess it is Russian. I think, right? uh, it could yeah. be. Yeah, I don't know that they ever say exactly. I don't think they say exactly. They either. say Earth Station Babrusk, and I don't oh, wonder yeah. if that's a real place. That's uh, right. We could probably figure it out that way, but um... there's also uh, well, Sergey was an engineer, so that was kind of cool that he served on an Excelsior class ship. And oh yeah, he has that exchange with Chief O'Brien, uh, and also with Jordy though in, in engineering, where he's like, "I have all the schematics at home," and he even yeah. those were like the turbo. I, I have all the sticks and diagrams for Galaxy class warship. It's so good. Um, and then it's just touching when, as soon as Worf leaves, the first thing he does is he asks Jordy if like his son's okay because of the discommodate. So I don't know if you remember, but last season Worf was uh, discommodated from uh, as a warrior in the Klingon Empire, right? To to prevent civil war, basically. Exactly. Yeah, he takes one for the team. <laughs> and so this season we're gonna have, I think, you know, the the end of that you know like the resolution to that i th- if i recall correctly but um there's uh there's just like this kind of you know they've they've been kind of hinting at it for a few episodes and he even says in the beginning to commander Riker that he can't he doesn't think that any human could understand the the weight of his the, the depth of his shame and shame dishonor and dishonor right and so he's also kind of like struggling with that but of course his parents are are supremely concerned and it's very cute and i love the scene in 10 forward it's my favorite scene 
after the the vineyard tumble oh, uh, yes, where she's uh she's uh basically you know like just kind of in her own way she does that whole thing of like when when wharf you know people come here and they look look homeward uh from 10 forward and when wharf is looking out he's not you know looking towards the klingon empire he's looking at you and i was like oh my gosh i melted it was so yeah that definitely helps me. <laughs> he's not um, looking at Cronus. <laughs> exactly um and then even just like you can see like wharf treating them with like this like really nice tenderness and then it culminates in that scene where they confront him and you know he finally has to kind of bear his you know shame to them and and they're like and then you know his mom of course in a beautiful mom kind of way is like uh you know of course uh of course we're here for you and of course we're gonna be bearing this as a family you don't have to bear this alone so it was, it was very, like just lovely note on on wharf and and uh i i feel a lot of uh a lot in a lot of ways like the characterizations of his parents remind me a lot about of my own parents so was, as as an adult it was uh especially more sentimental than when i watched it as a kid i think i remember being like oh they're cute but they're really annoying <laughs> 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 and now i find them less annoying and more endearing so it's an interesting thing to kind of see happen um i didn't really like when i I remember when i watched it you know obviously i watched tng when it first aired and then i watched it again i think the next like major rewatch was was with you and your family um and then i maybe watched it on reruns of course but then you know, in this little experiment or project, um, rewatching it again, it's it, it's just interesting because now I'm in kind of like a, I guess you could call me a a, a realized adult, <laughs> and so I I get a lot more out of these episodes than I did as a as a younger person, and so the scene that affected me, even though I don't have children of my own, was the Jack Crusher scene. I found myself extremely um, finding that to be extremely touching because there are a lot of kiddos in my life now, you know, mm-hmm. your, your family, I'm a, I'm a surrogate uncle to the, to the children, you know, to your, to the next generation in your family. And so when I saw that moment, I was like, man, it's like, that's crazy. We do have to kind of leave, messages behind for the the little ones you know because who knows what, you I, know. I, I hope you can come in on uh this episode if he, if he makes it in time i He's know because i'm sure he might be particularly affected by that part but yeah i felt i felt when i was re-watching it because i asked your brother there's a, ch- a slight chance your brother will appear on the show He's he, he's a. We're gonna say that he's mercurial, just like Robert, and uh, and so we don't really know. He he might disagree with the blasted technology, um, but yeah, he's a, he's a father, and and I just like was like, oh no, I hope this is not too heavy, because he does have a very sensitive heart. So <laughs> I hope this is not something that's too heavy to watch. But um, uh, yeah, th- so that that kind of stood out in the episode. Um, you know, for me, but of course the, the best stuff, the juiciest stuff in the episode was the Picard thing. And in this episode, I think it's like the first time we get hints of like this honorable sort of like family and, you know, very proud family, uh, before where he like kind of alludes to Picard's that had served at, you know, like Trafalgar, I think, or something like that. And, 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, you, um, we have this. We we know Picard obviously is French, and we know he has France. I think that is that much is established, but you also have the sense he's extremely proud of it. Yeah. But what you don't know, and which we find out here, is how he's basically perceived as having turned his back on everything that the card family represents. At least right. by Robert. At least by Robert, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about his family for a moment. So Picard is unmarried, has no children, um, and but his brother uh, is uh, married to a del- absolutely delightful angel of a woman Marie Marie <laughs> yes. and has the most adorable uh child Renee uh who is like you know just wins you over from the beginning as soon as you meet him and there's that cute and that's that really cute yeah and he's like he accidentally calls Picard his uh his uh nephew <laughs> And then there's the the whole exchange of like, uh, what does father call you? Uh, <laughs> an arrogant son of a... Oh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that we, we find out, um, we get like a little um, sort of commentary on how there's really no crime on earth uh when he when he does the whole like oh you know don't you know don't hurt me uh there haven't there hasn't been a highwayman reported in these parts for centuries you know and it's like (laughs) you know so it's kind of a nice uh little way of reminding everyone how utopian um earth earth really seems and and that it might be just like uh it might just be that humans have conquered all their their uh, ills and things like that so or it is rather not it might be um and then there's also some interesting scenes that show you know of course um the uh the picard vineyard is like this like beautiful untouched by time uh and you know and then they'll pan away a couple times to like show these full shots and then you see like you know, you see like, some. You see these technological structures in the background, around. like yeah, in the town. So you know like, that, like, Picard Ranch, <clears throat> that the town, which could be from any any century, really. Like right. you, have, it has a sense of timelessness. It's <clears throat> true. Um, I had the fortune of walking through some vineyards in France, and I thought a lot about this episode when I was doing that. It was, uh, it, it came to mind. Um, but what a life that is! And so then, you know, of course, we meet. Marie and Renee first, and then you know they're there to greet Jean Luc. But Robert is busy in the vineyard, so Picard has to. Uh, Jean Luc actually has to go to him, and they're like, they're like, uh, they're like. Uh, greeting scene is really interesting because Robert's not unkind to him; he's not like unwelcoming, but he's not exactly like embracing him either. He doesn't even get up. Oh, yeah. He's, like, like, munching on the grapes, tending to the vine <laughs> and very, very intensely. What is it? And I think the line is, like, so you came after all. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good impression of, of Robert's voice. That's good. You do good impressions of both of Jean-Luc and Robert. It's, <laughs> that's very excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, he does, and he's, like, basically, he's, like, you know your way around, make yourself at home, see you at dinner. Um, and then that dinner scene's pretty crazy, uh, too. I thought there was a lot of tension. Now, 
uh, it should be pointed out that we're dying to have your brother on here, but you guys don't have that kind of a, you guys actually have a lovely relationship <laughs> as far as I could tell. <laughs> yeah, no, there, I mean, there are a couple of parallels that make me think about it, but uh, by and large, like, you know, Oos is very outwardly sweet, so. <laughs> <laughs> very there's, nice, outward, very outwardly sweet. I like how you fit that. <laughs> there's no, there's no like stiffness or tension. And, no, not at all. And, but it is interesting that there are some similarities. He is your older brother, of course, and uh, he does. He is a brewmaster, so uh, <laughs> there's a there's a bit of a family tradition that's similar here to the uh, Picards with their vineyard. Uh, and recently, you've taken up uh, brewing beer, have you not? I have, yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. That's something that you guys uh, share in common, and it makes sense uh, that you know. Eventually, I we we know from um, um, all good things. By the way, there's no worries about spoilers on this show. You can talk about the whole context, and you have to really, I think, uh, in cases like this. But in all good things, we see Picard working his vineyard the the family vineyard so we know that eventually at least in that alternate you know idea of the future that picard ends up that's where he ends up and i kind of like that that he ends up there um what i'm still conflicted on is uh and i don't know how you feel about it i'm curious but what do you think of what they did to picard's character uh in generations by uh basically killing his his family on earth oh well i was very upset about it and i don't really think about it (laughs) (laughs) exactly and after watching this episode it kind of incensed me or or fueled me a little bit more like why not to acknowledge that that happened (laughs) you know there's a of course in many ways it's so good because it does give the character a, a new kind of depth if you will but yeah it's one of those decisions that i kind of also wish to not acknowledge if i could because it is so traumatic especially when you when you see this episode and how delightful the characters are and we really would have liked i think i would have really loved the idea even if we never really saw it um that renee picard does succeed Jean-Luc as a captain or as a mm-hmm. you know as a starfleet officer and and comes into um, Starfleet, just like his uncle, at some point. So, right, yeah, it is. It is pretty terrible. But maybe you know, I always, one of the missions of Starfleet Boy. We uh, I should let you know is that we uh, we're petitioning for one more TNG film with the uh, with the TNG cast, just like how the original series got to get a sign off, basically in Star Trek Six. I feel that the next generation crew needs one and you know there's a lot of things that can happen i mean q could come back we could get yeah. he could be, you know he could grant there have been epic modifications to the timeline already already so, so why, why can't we you know maybe as a as a as a little if you can destroy vulcan and surely uh q can bring pull some strings right yeah exactly so that's that's my hope and you know my wish is that somehow the uh, the fire is undone. <laughs> I can't even think of it. Um, one thing I did want to point out, though, going back to the first meeting, is you also discover that I think this is Picard's first time meeting Marie in 20 years. Yeah. 
uh, it's like been almost been, 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And he thanks her for her correspondence because it yeah. made him feel connected is, to the family. Crazy that he has not had any interaction with his family, what in person in 20 years. Yeah, I don't. That. Yeah, I don't know what that's even like. It's crazy. He must have had some really. Uh, uh, but I mean, it does also seem like he does. It's not like he doesn't correspond. So again, there's the correspondence with with oh, Maurice, yeah. and then Lewis, who we haven't mentioned yet, uh, seems to have been in touch here and there, you know, with Picard as well um well so then so then there's that <laughs> you know at, we were talking about the dinner scene how uh we find out that uh the the town wants to give him the key to the city and like you know uh basically this character lewis wants to come meet him and like you know of course he's like a, a huge celebrity and it must be akin to like um i don't know like i would imagine that if he wanted to, because of this, like the many, you know, the, just the Borg situation in and of itself. But then, you know, later on, there's even more things that uh, Picard is credited to uh, for saving planet earth. But like, it would be like, basically like Eisenhower coming home, you know, and then event, you know, if he wants to, he could have any job he wants. And I, I, could, I think that Picard could even become president of the Federation one day. If he wanted to, it'd be pretty cool for his character arc. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so then we get another little fight at dinner, which I thought was interesting. And, and that one ends really, uh, when Marie's like, this is an old fight. And I actually love Robert's tenderness to her. It's like, no matter how upset he gets, like when Marie's just like, ah, just like calm down. He's like, yes, you're right. <laughs> Yes, just, it, it is an old fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, then you get, um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it's just like beautifully written because it just keeps escalating. You see Picard becoming more and more annoyed as <laughs> as the as the episode rolls on. Um, well, Robert you, is pushing all of the buttons. Every knows, single every button. single one. <laughs> like, Very, and he's like provocative. He does it intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Which basically our brothers and sisters do. I mean, like, it's like, <laughs> like I I thought about this. It's like there's there's things that only. I can bring out the worst in my sister basically just by like triggering a few you know like <laughs> keywords in there and likewise she can she can really test my resolve and and bring out the worst in me and I wonder like that's something that um you know to all the people in the audience who are only children I'm sure that you connect uh in in that way with with a friend or a cousin or, or a family member but having a sibling is I think I think this episode kind of like nails the complexity of having a sibling where, you know, it's, it's a unique, a unique relationship. Um, and you have two siblings, by the way, we haven't mentioned your lovely sister yet, but, (laughs) but, but it is unique. And, um, I happen to know because I was a part of your family that, (laughs) <laughs> and it was like done out of pure love but we did torture you quite a bit when you were uh, <laughs> and i'm included in that i i have to say that i like became 
your brother became two-headed because I was I, I was kind of always on his side when it came to like some of the humor that we would do. And so I want to just say on my behalf that I hope we didn't really like bully you or anything like that. But if we did, it wasn't intended that way. <laughs> no, no, it's all it's it's what brothers do. Yeah. <clears throat> or, uh, vineyard tumbles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so there's that scene and then it gets worse and worse and uh, I thought um, finally after the, uh, the the vineyard tumble well let's talk about the vineyard tumble for a second there's a lot that I think what do you think of that whole scene do you think Robert was like all along he was like trying to like push Picard back to his kind of like true self like is that like what it you know maybe to Robert it's like you're you know you're acting you're like we all have this kind of like defense mechanism that we put up but that we don't usually have with our families and so you can kind of imagine that like it's been 20 years you know from Robert's perspective maybe there is you know he sees that Picard is different like there is something like that he's holding back or that he's like he's just facetiming me oh cool Let's see if we can get him on. <laughs> um, you pause it, or what, what do no, you want to do? You get, uh, this is part of the show, so like, just pick up the phone and let's see what he says. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually Julian. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, Uncle Moni. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear that? Yeah, we can actually hear him saying, hi, Uncle Moni, happy birthday. Aww. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Uncle Moon. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Yay! Oh, thank you, Julian. <laughs> Speaking of brothers, <laughs> tell him to get um, on the we're hangout. Recording, we're recording Starfleet Boy right now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll let you guys go. I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. Oh, okay. Well, can, you can't make it. <laughs> can, can you just come on for a second? Papa Diddy. <laughs> He's on Papa Diddy. Oh, okay. Oh well. I did watch the episode. Okay. He did. He did watch it though. Tell he can come on with Julian and just. Do you want to like, come on with Julian? We're actually talking about the brother part right now. I don't think that's, that won't work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Oh. You guys go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll call you. I'll call you back in a little bit. Okay. Bye. Bye. Love you too. Gonna call back. Bye. <laughs> well, it looks like we did get a, a special special appearance. You just had audio there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. That was really nice to to hear. Uh... <laughs> and we got to hear Julian, my little godson. So cute. <laughs> All right. So it's appropriate that this episode of Starfleet Boy is one where family members actually like <laughs> come on and, and stuff like that. Very, very nice. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I wonder if there wasn't a degree of like um, where Robert knew that like pushing him this way would unleash these emotions that his little brother's like keeping inside that he shouldn't be that he should be expressing and and dealing with because it actually ends up being 
the result when he like finally breaks down which by the way beautiful the whole i mean uh um, patrick sure is just a brilliant actor of course we know this but it's a, such a beautiful performance when he breaks down it's so real and 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 in the scenes where he's angry it's it seems so genuine as well and so yeah. well you run the sort of full gamut i could say they start beating each other up and then they both start laughing and then Crickard breaks down crying it's like all of them in the span of a minute and a half. And yeah, it's completely, like, completely seamless. Um, se- seamless and natural, and it was just, yeah, really, really well done. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little, it is a pretty, in terms of what Ribeiro is doing, it's, I think it's pretty complicated because I think part of him, the competitive part of him probably, he knows something extremely traumatic has happened to his brother and i think there's genuine concern about that but i think also part of him is sort of like maybe relishing the fact that his brother is human (laughs) and has fallen to earth and he wants to see that arc complete and and he says it he's like so my little brother is human after all yeah Um, he, he comes out and says it but he does say it very understandingly and tenderly yeah yeah it's true he knows he, he he yeah he must and also he's very he's like so what did happen to you up there like what on earth could have brought, caused you after 20 years to suddenly show up at my <laughs> show up at my doorstep like it must have he must know just by from that fact as Deanna suggested at the end of, at the beginning of the episode like this is epic right. <laughs> but I mean at the same time it's like I. I can. I'm getting a little emotional even thinking about it right now. It's like, who else would you want after a situation like that than like to be in the arms of your brother or your family member? You know, he doesn't have his mother and father anymore, mm-hmm. um, and Robert is his older brother. So in a way, he represents that kind of like parental, um, you know, bond or whatever, and 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 so on. Especially since Robert is so much like apparently like his father. Like, uh, <laughs> like their father rather. Do we know, do we ever know what their what his father's name is? Did they mention? Did they say that? I don't think they said it. Um, it, it'd be worth looking up. I can I can do that right now. Actually, um, we're going to the memory <laughs> alpha. Usually, it's Maurice Picard. Oh, Maurice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and he's of course we apparently we see him. I didn't remember that. Wait. Well, I know we see his mother in one of the first episodes, right? We see there's a picture of Maurice Picard here on Memory Alpha, and it says that he was played by Clive Church, the actor, and appeared in the episode. So his name was mentioned in Chain of Command Part 1. Which is which one? I forgot. Chain of Command, I think, is... Let's see. I think it's one... Oh, we haven't gotten to that one yet. That's uh, Captain Jellico when he takes over the Enterprise for that. I think that's... Isn't that uh, There Are Four Lights? The the metaphasic cloaking device, that one? Oh, yeah. But isn't this the episode... No, you're right. Yes, it is. I forget. That's that's the Pegasus, right? No, that's, uh, that's Riker's old captain... Um, oh. and I and that's the season I think if I'm not mistaken maybe not maybe next season no that's like season five or six I think but, or seven actually it might be even season seven five. I think it's seven yeah. 
But apparently, let's see, what episode did he appear in? Uh, according to Memory Alpha here, it says, Maurice Picard was a very traditional man, da-da-da. Opposed uh, to John Luke's, which we find out here, joining Starfleet, Family Vineyard. So I guess he appears... Oh, this is, this is uh, Chief O'Brien's old commander, right? Jellicoe. Right. No. Right. Yes, is it? The, the Cardassians, right? Right, it's the Cardassian episode. I have the only memory I have of that episode. I think is that he forces uh, Deanna to wear a uniform, and then after right. that, she after that she wears a uniform. Basically, oh, something's going on here. Uh, <laughs> uh, later in the year, I can't see what episode uh, Maurice appears in, but let's see if we click on Clive Church if it tells us. Oh, uh, sixth season tapestry. I don't remember him in tapestry. Do you? No, I have no memory of this. Maybe Q appears to Picard as Maurice in one scene or something. Huh. Now we'll have to look out for that when we watch tapestry. Anyways, what were we, uh, what were we saying about this? Oh, that we, so now we know his name, Maurice Picard, and we never actually see him. But you do get the sense of uh, what he might have been like through Robert. Um, <laughs> just like him, yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, anyways, so so then, of course, there's that really delightful scene where the brothers are singing that French And then Marie playfully chides them about the mess they've made and all this stuff. And, um, well, anyways, what's lovely is that at this point we get back our, our captain Picard. It's like, he went through all this doubt. He thought about leaving, um, Starfleet for a moment for like two seconds. And what I love is that like, you don't see, uh, Jean-Luc wearing a uniform until the end of the episode where he's going back. And then he's in his uniform. It's like, it kind of really stands out because it's so different from, you know, there's a lot of like muted colors and stuff like that throughout the vineyard and then, you know, earth tones. And then all of a sudden at the end of the episode, he's donning his beautiful red, you know, uniform, which I was like, Oh my gosh, the uniform never looked better for some reason. It just really like stood out um, in that scene. I really like, you know, there's still a few things I want to talk about on the episode, but since we're, at this point anyways i just adore that we see maurice's true character at the very end of the episode when renee's outside sitting under a tree gazing up at the stars imagining you know whatever he's imagining oh, and him, uh let him dream yeah like yeah. let him dream when he's just like, called inside yeah <laughs> and he's just like like the whole scene it's like this he's there with his you wonderful the, sh- the shooting star, star like <laughs> yeah and then you ha- but like just even like you see that like now that the whole situation, the little trauma with Picard, you know, and, and everything is resolved and life is kind of returned back to normal, you see a glimpse of Robert's, like, just everyday life, which is, like, little conflicts, like, should we let our son stay out a little longer? And there's, like, a fire, play, you know, there's a fire running in the hearth, and, like, he's got his glass of wine, and he's just so delighted to surprise his wife by <laughs> by saying let him dream and you know there's just these wonderful things and like it 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 makes you want more 
of his family and then of course we don't ever see them again but <laughs> but at least we know that they're there in the backdrop um so yeah just super delightful um not much not much more to say about that <laughs> well there's the I think very tellingly, Robert then walks with Picard and Marie to wherever they, wherever Picard transports from in the village. Oh, right. And gives him a very, very, very Oh, that long touching look. hug. That's right. It's true. You even see, like, the actor yeah. looks like he... In addition to a bottle of, you know, 47. About <laughs> drink. <laughs> I like, I like the part where he's like uh, Picard's like is this the uh, 46 yeah. he's like no. no he says no he says is it 47 he's like 46 your pilot has grown weak or something like that the, it was, I thought it was also interesting that like they were having a debate about getting a replicator in the house um is that like the debate about getting a microwave in the house? Does that debate even happen? Well, <laughs> no. I, it's like I think I think the implication is the same debate happened with his his their parents. Oh, that's right. So that's they're right. like probably like generations after replicators have been adopted, <laughs> and here they are like living in the twentieth century, or even. <laughs> Like that living room could have been from even earlier. Like it literally was timeless. Like you don't even see electricity in that scene. I think. Yeah, I don't think you really do. It's true. You, you see, can't everything's candle lit and like fireplaces and stuff like that. Do you think that there is? Uh, I think there's a scene where uh, Picard remarks that there should be room for the past and the future in in life. Um, and I think that's an interesting. Thing because right now in our country we are kind of faced with this like group of people uh, who uh, want to take things back, you know, and like don't agree with the progress we've made as Americans or humans or you know just all over the world. Actually, there's groups like this that are like yearning for some kind of uh, past. Do you do you equate this to the like this kind of like mood to a similar kind of attitude as Robert, or what, what do you think is behind that? No, I, this is a little. I mean, and nostalgia is present in both. Although one is clearly more pernicious than the other. Like one is nostalgia for uh, a simpler way of, or a more manual, physical way of being. Right, like tending to real vineyards, um, making your own wine without the use of this technology. That sort of. Well, this can be a whole, a whole broader discussion. But <laughs> for, to, to keep it for the simple purposes of a contrast, like this is yearning for a way of life where there were, you know, white people were paramount and could oppress and enslave an entire group of people, and it's based off of uh, uh, whether what they want to acknowledge it or not, a hatred for other groups of people, um, and the, the the nostalgia comes from the fact that they feel that the life for them in their position as a privileged white person would have been simpler and better back then. This is different. <laughs> the, um, and, you know, this is another question we're going to be facing soon, which is, like, technology is going to replace so many things that humans can do. Um, and, uh, you know, replicators will replace, could replace cooking... Um, but at what point do you draw the line where, you know, machines can do anything that a human can 
at what point do you just say, even though a machine can do this better than me, what is there an inherent value to me doing it myself for my own happiness to for, for the act of creation? Like, <clears throat> and so it's like you can replicate wine with synthahol, or you can grow the vine yourself and create this beautiful creation with your own hands. And I think that's you know the Robert Picards of the world are in this traditionalist camp that see that there's an inherent virtue to preserving that way of life. Well said, well said. Because it is easy to, I think, at first, like, wonder if Robert's way of thinking isn't, uh, isn't, you know, out of some kind of stubborn, like, abhorrent, you know, like he's not like just re- repulsed, which he is, you know, by by <laughs> te- you know, technology and 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 disagrees with the. One wonders if Robert even just disagrees with the path that humanity has taken. Like I think uh-huh. he has a general, you know, disdain for like the use of technology. And I thought I saw an interesting um, TED talk about you know the landscape today of how on the internet basically people technology in itself of course doesn't have a you know a leaning one way or the other but it can be used to do great things or it can be used to do really sort of terrible and um and like it just seems uh what stands out more and more uh today is uh, all the terrible uses uh of technology as we see with like you know hacking of elections and like you know things like that um and it just makes it makes one wonder, yeah, are things going to get worse? Like, how do we safeguard against these, like, you know, awful uses of technology? And how do we, like, continue to um, uh, integrate technology into our lives in a in a way that's, like, you know, uh, positive and, and ethical and things like that without, you know, no one wants to be, like, insanely regulated you know we want like the ideas that we we have our our liberties and things like that so i i kind of like can see myself like a little bit like robert in that sense where i'm like yeah like maybe maybe it is good to cook or (laughs) just keep a few traditions that are really good um while embracing technology so you can feel grounded as you as you go through it it kind of will inform the way you use technology in general so um, yeah, it's funny because I obviously I, I identify with Picard so much in in terms of like you know his sort of ambitions and um, outlook for the future. Um, but at the same time, I can I also I am quite a traditionalist. <laughs> it's like I would not I would not you know I I prefer to do things manual. I think technology does deprive. Technology can make us soft, and I think this is a good time for like the basis of the whole Dune universe too, which is, you know, at some point in Dune that humanity abandons more complex forms of technology that replace human thought, right, and choose the spice to augment human faculties because there's something lost at some point where technology supplants complex tasks. <clears throat> Like, so I had a discussion with somebody last week. They're like, well, do you think tech, uh, computers can ever replace lawyers? Yeah. And, and I said, um, certainly, like, you can commit some things to a lawyer. I mean, I think technology has made my job simpler and enhanced my productivity in many ways as a lawyer. But uh, 
yeah, maybe like for simple technical violations, did this person drive at 45 miles per hour in a 20 mile zone? Yes, guilty. Right. <laughs> Here, here's the video footage. Science tells us that you were driving at this rate, unless you can disprove with some evidence that the technology was tampered, then this is conclusive evidence. Computer can do that easily, right? But there are nuances to everything that uh, right now, at least, a computer can't hope to emulate. But at some point, maybe. I said at the point that a computer can replace me, a computer could replace a human in any capacity. Um, and then you have to decide whether it's worth humans doing anything. Wow, yeah, it's a, <laughs> a crazy idea. Yeah. But that is what happens in Dune eventually, like... Yeah, and also uh, similarly, it happens in um, Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. It's also interesting. I find that uh, outside of Data, there aren't really many robots in Star Trek. Have you ever noticed that? Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting that Data is such a unique. I mean, because in some ways, our technology is, is proceeding at a faster pace than I think Star Trek predicts. Like, I think oh, we'll yeah, have it. Yeah. I think we'll have a data much sooner than we will have faster than light travel, unless there's some unforeseen development that happens very soon in the future, which could happen. But um, I think uh, I think we'll have pretty fast travel soon, though. Like near near light speed travel, perhaps. Uh, there's a there's actually a warp drive uh, that's in development at NASA, and who knows how long it'll take before they actually start testing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is fascinating. Um, oh, but apparently, uh, I I don't know how much you know about Star Trek Discovery, which is coming up. But um, and we don't know, of course, until it airs. But originally, when Brian Fuller was attached to the project, he wanted to have more aliens and more robots on the show. Because I mean, in the original series, we do have the the humorous but interesting the androids, the Muds women were androids oh, right, right. So, you know i mean there there have been some before but not like they're not as ubiquitous as they are like for example in star wars where you have droids d- exact doing exactly what you're saying is that eventually like there will be droids cleaning our windows and you know doing things that are like dangerous basically i think that's where it's going to start is that like you know uh droids or robots um will start to take on jobs that are considered dangerous for humans, like jobs where we find that, you know, where it's easy for a human to be injured or, or even die. So, and then a lot of like things that we can't even just do, like even with suits on, we can't go too deep for too long in the ocean or mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So, um, there are some promising things, like for example, uh, one way uh, I, I'm, I know you know this, but a uh, but I'm surprised at how little coverage it's getting um, that all the coral reefs are basically dying out um, on our planet, which is really a, a strange thing to think about. I don't swim or dive, but when I was young, I mean, like the coral reefs were just like a magical place that, you know, you would learn about. And and then uh, living in Florida, uh, you could even go out on a glass bottom boat. And even if you couldn't swim, you could still see the beauty of the reefs. Mm-hmm. And apparently now those, those very same reefs that I saw as a kid, um, are bleached are, you know, they're, they're basically, they're gone. And that's crazy to think that that's happening, but there are some, uh, concepts and ideas that maybe like robots can help to like restore these, like, you know, um, dying places or at least keep them healthy, uh, hmm. through, whatever means you know you know through keeping the water temperatures 
stable or through you know all kind there's all kinds of ideas but like that's the implication that you get um throughout star trek the next generation but especially in this episode and with picard's conversations with lewis one gets the idea that like humans have kind of restored earth to this like idyllic place like they've manipulated even the weather and the temperature to restore the earth to like this like sort of like um goldilocks you know habitability that uh that is that we're moving away from and that we're losing and so i think it's interesting and and so there is some hope that even though our generation is seeing the 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 dying off of all these like natural wonders and treasures there's some hope that like if we continue to develop technology in the direction of where it can be of value and can help humans then we can maybe even bring back some of these like uh things that are going away so yeah very cool uh i guess uh one uh, in my notes here i wrote down that when uh <laughs> when when we meet jack crusher for the first time i was struck by his handsomeness um is this the first time we see jack crusher i don't remember i think so because i know there was a flashback uh or will be a flashback where um captain picard is bringing jack crusher's body back or something like that and he even has hair in that scene and i you know of course we we've heard mention of him and he's one of picard's uh closest friends but this is, I think, the first time we actually see him portrayed by an actor. And then I couldn't help but think this time when I saw it, I was like, man, it would have been really cool to have had a Jack Crusher uh, spinoff series <laughs> at the time. So that would have been really neat. And Gates McFadden could have, you know, reprised her role uh, as Beverly Crusher. I mean, she still could if you did a spinoff series today and cast, uh, you know, a younger uh, actress. But you could have... Gates I mean, McFadden. you could have a CGI Gates McFadden. That's true. <laughs> but you could act, you could have actual Gates McFadden um, in in the present reminiscing, and that's what the the show could be set up as. It's a la Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but or, uh, yeah, I, I think even uh, Battlestar Galactica has had sort of retrospectives where you see Bill Adama as, in, in in the first Silent War. That's right. right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. You do. Right with his call sign yeah husker or whatever it was <laughs> you also see i i do love the like blood and steel or whatever it's called the the spinoff where they they even have a uh they they portray that period uh, with a different actor playing him as a as a young person oh, that's um, right. yeah. and no, then you have like we've incorporated so many series in this discussion it's really funny. <laughs> well it, I, you know, Ron Moore, of course, who was a prominent uh, writer on Star Trek: The Next Generation, and then even more on on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, is the is the creator of the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. So I think there is a lot of uh, he. Ta- I I feel like Battlestar Galactica, in many ways, does take a lot of these same ideas and 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 do you know spin them in a different take so yeah i think it's totally appropriate that we talk about all science fiction while we're talking about star trek and next generation certainly inspired a lot of things um there's a lot of kind of it's it's well known that they tried to make these episodes as stand as standalone as possible but you can't you can't help it through the characters themselves you kind of do get these like nice you know arcs of story arcs and progressions and so you know while you can watch next generation like 
out of order and you can just kind of pop into any episode there are uh these kind of like fixed points if you will that if you watch them they tell they definitely tell a a story about the about the cast and through that like you get a story about the universe as well um which Battlestar Galactica does to the umpteenth (laughs) degree and it does it so well but yeah uh I thought about that and then um I thought it would have been actually uh pretty cool to have a uh, like a, a kid show with Worf as a kid, like to help kids deal with complex emotions and like anger, and like anger management. <laughs> anger management and like all kinds of things. So there were a lot of opportunities, but unfortunately, like you know, who knows? Maybe we could do them in cartoons now. Well, I mean, we have we have uh, <laughs> Alex Roshenko, uh, Alexander Roshenko, a little That's right. That's right. That's coming up this season too. So his mother is half Klingon, right? Or she's half human. Klingon, half human. Yep. Yeah. So he's he himself, he himself is uh, three quarters Klingon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and so, so she, yeah, exactly. So Alexander is going to play a big part in the in upcoming, and we do deal with a lot of those like what Worf might have gone through as a child as well, which is interesting. Yeah. But uh, also also different. I, th- I forget. I think it was like something like, I don't want to be a warrior happens in that one scene or something. And oh, that yeah, episode's coming up soon. Too. Horrified. I what? <laughs> um, wow. Is there anything else? Uh, let's see. What do I have in my notes here? I'll just say it was like, I think what after watching it, what was so beautiful to it about me is how perfectly structured it is. Like you have, obviously you have Picard himself recovering from an extremely traumatic event and coming into the embrace of family, but also you have Worf dealing with a very similar, I guess more long-term, I don't, I don't know how many episodes before it has this commendation was, but. Uh, it's been a few, it's been like at least it happened like maybe yeah. late late last season so yeah we've and we've had a few mentions of it throughout the the rest of the season too but yeah two very conservative bottled up characters come into terms with their i guess wounds and emotional wounds and and having to or being forced into a position of expressing that I and mean, then it makes it us much closer to the characters as a whole so that's why I love it so much. And then the closing sequence with the embrace and the shooting star also. <laughs> Beautifully done. And uh, yeah, so I we give this uh, we give episode ratings on the show from a scale of one to ten, but I think this episode for me uh, ranks so high that I think it it cannot be rated necessarily. But if I had to give it a rating, I would say it's an eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I have to agree with that assessment. Excellent. It's one of, it's one of my favorites, hands down. Um, aside from others, which I think I'll be joining on as well. I, yeah, we already have you booked for one. I won't tell I won't tell the audience which one that is, so it's a surprise. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well so what do you uh what do you have planned for your birthday, uh young young chap, young fellow? Um nothing much, just uh yeah, I had the Harry Potter experience yesterday, so I'm just taking it easy today. Well very good. Well I, I 
I will end the show on that note. <laughs> Wish you happy birthday again. And as we always say, live long and okay. prosper and see you next time. Thanks for coming on. I'm so honored. <laughs> Thank you. It's it super fun. Oh.